You know, in Asia, you kind of get used to people being sometimes a little bit late for meetings, and that doesn't happen in the U.S. People are like right on time. So time is a is a big cultural thing. Uh, thing I think you find, you know, whatever region you're in. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. This week is episode 181 of the GFA, or Global from Asia podcast. We're going to be talking about moving back to America after a life and career in Asia. Travis Darrow has a ton of experience doing business in Asia, and I connected with him when so many years ago when I remember Twitter, we were talking on Twitter and Foursquare when those were the coolest social media platforms on the block. Yeah, I know that was a long time ago. Travis has been back to America for a couple of years now, and we got him on the show to share how it feels to go through reverse culture shock. I'm wondering myself uh, if that day is going to happen to me or if I'm going to be in Asia till the day I die. It's funny. It's a common question people ask me if I'm going to be in China until the rest of my life. I'm like, do you know where you're going to be the rest of your life? I mean, I don't know. Do all of us know that? But uh, I selfishly asked Travis some questions that I'm curious to know about myself, but I think that some of these questions, listeners, uh, you guys will also enjoy if you're considering making a life-changing move. But first, we got another review on iTunes. I'm, I'm so excited here. Let's read it off. He says, a must-listen-to podcast for doing business in China. Five stars by Loster from New Zealand on June 2nd, 2017. He says, if you look to do business in China or move to China, this is the one podcast you need to listen to. Having been there over 10 years, Mike interviews a variety of guests from importing, exporting, hiring Chinese employees, Amazon FBA, cross-border payments, and setting up Hong Kong companies for tax advantages. This is your go-to weekly digest in doing business in Asia. Thank you, Loster. I really appreciate it. And from what the gods, Apple gods tell us, iTunes reviews help other listeners find the show in the podcast app. So I always appreciate everybody. If you're enjoying the show, you want to give us a little love, take some time to go over into the ratings and reviews tab on your iTunes app on your computer and uh, click that tab and leave a review. I thank you in advance. Also, you might have been seeing on social media a lot of pictures. We're doing more and more events. This past Thursday, we had a GFA meetup here in Shenzhen, China with uh, Wilson. who has been on a podcast, kind of doing a fireside chat about his FBA growth and experience. And then we have one next, this coming Thursday at the end of June in Saigon, Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh. Uh, some great people there helping, helping out. I'll be there. And then in July, we have them in Hong Kong, Shenzhen, and other cities in the works, even Shanghai, September, Miami, Florida, and talks for November. If you're interested to see these events or even work with us on events in your city, you can check that out at globalfromasia.com slash events. Okay, and now let's get into this week's interview. Travis is going to be sharing on reverse culture shock of moving back to the United States of America after years and years of living and doing business in Asia. Let's take it away, Travis. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. This is going to be a fun one. We have with us Travis Darrow, who is we met many years ago back in your Asia business days. And today we have him on to share a little bit about his time coming back to America. So thanks for coming on the show, Travis. 
Yeah, definitely, Michael. I'm a big fan. I, I enjoy listening to your podcast and I was really impressed with the conference you put on recently. So it's it's nice to talk about the experience really to Asia, the time uh, I had out there and then the return, which I think is, is just as interesting sometimes. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for the thanks for uh, noticing the, the conference. It's, uh, we're already we're, we're already thinking about Cross Border Summit 2018. So it'll definitely be a an amazing conference again in a year's time. So before we dive into it, Travis, you mind giving our listeners a, a little bit of an introduction of yourself? Sure. No, no problem. So it's been two years since I've been back in the U.S. and I kind of feel uh, uh, pretty adjusted now. So it's good to, to talk to you about uh, the experience and, and really at a high level uh, for purpose of introduction. I lived in Hong Kong and also Singapore for a, a total of 10 years. And I was a regional manager, uh, really starting out in research and consulting IT business and then moving on to software. So I was with um, IDC, uh, Intralinks, Salesforce.com. Lexus, and then uh, finally Thomson Reuters. So a lot of coverage of financials and then moving into fintech, regtech, um, and compliance type of solutions. So uh, like I say, it's been two years since I've been been back. In uh, 2015, I took a job with a pre-IPO company here in the U.S. Um, they're doing fintech, governance, risk, and compliance. And the uh, investors are Goldman Sachs, Sageview, and Kleiner Perkins. So that's, uh, that's what I've been, that's, uh, the background and really a quick snapshot. Very cool. I, yeah, I mean, we had connected, I, if I believe so, it's our four square days when that used to be the cool yeah. network. I, I, I miss those days. It's definitely not like it anymore. And we also chat often in Twitter and the social media platforms are changing so, so rapidly. It's almost frustrating because you build up these, uh, networks and uh switch to the next one after but uh what do you yeah, think yeah there's always a new one that's for sure yeah so 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 great so yeah i mean i'm excited about the topic and you know i think it's just a fun story where we got to meet while you were coming through shenzhen for a couple of days and we had some old beijing yeah. restaurant food you know ariana streets yeah, old lao beijing, lao beijing. Old lao beijing. <laughs> yeah that's right. so so that was awesome and uh and now we're making the, this this interview happen. So maybe let's, before we talk about returning to Asia, let's maybe go into how you ret- returning back to America. You know, let's talk about coming to Asia at the beginning. How did you had been out here for quite some time before I had been here? So maybe you want to give some people some background. Yeah, sure. And um, you know, firstly, I'm coming from kind of an enterprise perspective. Um, you know, it, it's also an enterprise technology perspective. But at the same time, I, I feel that, you know, even when you're working for a pretty big company, it's uh, when you're in Asia, it, it's uh, it's still a startup type of environment. I mean, I've worked with companies where, you know, you discover that uh, the, the software doesn't have local language capabilities or, you know, they, they hadn't, you know, um, you know uh, licensed in, in a certain country. So you still are, are still like a startup, even though you're with a big company. But I first went to Asia um, by way of transfer with my company. So I said I was with IDC. Um, IDC is a research and consulting company. They're part of IDG, which is famous for uh, IDG Excel Ventures. And so I worked for them a few years in Silicon Valley in Mountain View. And it's funny, around that time, um, the offices were across the street from a a small but fast-growing company named Google. 
And uh, of course, these days, Google owns <laughs> the whole Mountain View area pretty much, includes, including that office that, that I was in there in Mountain View. But um, it was a good way to make the move for a foreigner, I'd say, because, you know, uh, although I'd previously lived in Europe and, and Mexico and studied abroad there and I'd visited to Asia, I think, you know, if you're coming uh the chances of success are higher if you're not changing everything at once, right? Mm -hmm. Not just the environment, the work culture. So in this case, I knew the company, I knew the products, I knew the people. And so I just had to ramp up on the, the regional knowledge and the business culture. Okay. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So when, when was that? When did you first? Yeah. So I first uh, came out as a regional manager and uh, I was in Hong Kong for a few years and that was 2001 to 2003. And so that was the first stint. And, uh, you know, a, the, the head of Asia called me and he said, you know, what do you think about coming back to the U.S. to manage the Asia business that's contracted through the U.S. with multinationals there? And so, you know, that that was really the first stint. And, um, you know, I think for a lot of people that might be that might be it. You might say, OK, uh, I've I've done my uh, international uh, bit and now I go and apply for an MBA or I'll, I'll continue on with the, the corporate track at, at global. But, uh, you know, for me, a recruiter called in a couple of years and then I returned to Hong Kong in 2005. And then I was working with a, a company around financials, um, content management, document management for, for the IPO and M&A process. So, uh, yeah, I had a quick stint um, uh, and that gave me a taste. And then I was I was interested to go back. And, and that's really what happened for me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean. I think like a lot of listeners I've talked to and, and others, I mean, well, there's some that can't stand it at all in Asia or China, especially because, you know, some of the culture shocks and other adjustments, but some people just get addicted, addicted to the, addicted to the lifestyle maybe, or the energy or, or different reasons people have, but, uh, it's very, very, very cool. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm very curious about this interview myself. Uh, I get to ask you some questions I would have asked you anyway. So, you know, what, what was the point where, you know, you thought about going back to America? You know, you'd been out here, you know, since 2001 and back, you know, back and forth. And um, what was that like instance where the idea pop, popped in your mind? Yeah, well, for me, it was, you know, when I was getting around 10 years, it did kind of feel like a milestone. And I felt that, you know, okay, professionally, I'd lived and worked in, in the two regional hubs of Hong Kong and Singapore. You know, I'd, I'd managed business uh, in, across most countries in Asia and, and traveled and worked there. You know, I gained a working level uh, of Chinese. And, and then also I'd made this career transition from, you know, research to enterprise software. Um, also, you know, Silicon Valley, where I'm originally from, uh, it was still booming. And there's always talk about how long the boom is going to last and if there's a slowdown or a correction coming. And so, you know, just like um, Asia is not necessarily the largest market for U.S. based MNCs. Um, I was with, you know, enterprise software companies. And again, it's still Asia is still not the largest um, market segment for those companies. And so um, U.S. is usually that market. And then personally, my daughter, she was five years old. And so there were some big decisions to make around, you know, local versus international school, which, of course, international school, 30 to 40 K for uh, you know, mm -hmm. first, second grade. Right. And then yeah. don't get me started on, on the real estate. Right. You know oh. about that, too. Yeah. Right. So there was there was both personal and, and professional and then the grandparents and the, the parents getting older and wanted to be a little bit closer to them. And then. 
you know, finally, I, I was kind of conscious of integrating my daughter back into the U.S. And, you know, I think that, you know, friendships start to get a little more serious as they get older. And I thought it'd be easier when she was five years old versus like when she was 15. And then, you know, I mean, her cute Singlish accent, it did go away after six months. But, uh, you know, when she when you get older, those accents don't go away. So um, a few things were going on, both personally and professionally, I thought about. Yeah, yeah, I do do understand those as a as a new father. I need some tips from you. Right. I think when we had had that Lao Beijing, it was uh, maybe I had my first son. You know, maybe a year now. He's turning three, and daughter daughter now a year, a little bit over a year and a quarter. So, I think it's definitely. I agree with you on both of those. I guess for me personally, I mean, I guess obviously with this podcast and blog and everything, I'm trying to at least make that relevancy for what I'm doing. But uh, I, I do agree with the career. I mean, usually it is a landmark, a land, a milestone, right? With kids and, yeah. and you start thinking about all, all of this. Um, I know a lot of other friends and, and, and listeners go through, go through that. Um, so what, what's this conversation like, you know, or, well, maybe um, how do you prepare yourself? I mean, so you make that decision, maybe you talk with your, right. your, you know, spouse and, uh, your, your, you know, your loved ones. And, you know, what's, what's something you, 10 years, I mean, I'm at 10 years now. So what are some things people right. need to do to prepare for this? Well, I think that, uh, it, it's sometimes underestimated really the return home. And I think it, it can actually, be as challenging as, you know, first setting up or, or going to a foreign country in some ways. So, you know, you have to do your networking. You have to learn how the market's changed since you've been away. You know, just like the China market in the last 10 years has changed tremendously. You know, Silicon Valley's changed a lot as well. And so, you know, you have to, you know, finally, I think you have to figure out how to translate your skills in one market into another market and explain that, you know, okay, here's you know, what's happening in the U.S. and here's how what I was doing over in China or Singapore or Hong Kong, how it relates to that. So, you know, a few trips back, um, a lot of meetings. And then, I mean, of course, I would come back uh, for holiday usually once a year and then for work once a year. And, you know, you got to stay in touch with people. So that was helpful. And then I have to say in, in both moves, um, I did leverage my, my university network. And UC Berkeley, you know, has a great one in both places. And so that was super helpful to me. And I, I've also been lucky to have some friends who have moved back before me. And now they have either international or global types of roles. And they could at least talk about, you know, the, um, you know, the experience and at the very least, you know, complain about the U.S. sometimes uh, mm. compared to Asia. Right. Yeah, so. it's true. Um, I, I guess I'm wondering, too, about some of the maybe the technical things. Is there I guess taxes would change and uh, some other financial things or, you know, honestly, I don't even know if I have a driver's license. I mean, I, you know, things yeah. like that. I don't even uh <laughs> Well, I mean, those are those are honestly, I mean, as an American, of course, we have the the challenge of having to report your taxes regardless of where you are. Yeah. But you know, you can you can still catch on the, up on that pretty quickly. Um, so even if you happen to slip or miss, you know, that can be caught up. I had to also, you know, talking about catching up on things. My driver's license had expired, and so I had to get that renewed. But again, these are these are fairly small. True. That is true. Yeah. And some conversations, you know, like, I don't know how deep you want to go or, you know, like, of course you, 
I mean, maybe the fa- you're probably having this conversation with your family already, or are they involved with? I at least for my my wife would probably have to be involved from the beginning, or you know, I just wonder maybe uh, however much you'd like to kind of give us some insights of the conversations, either professionally or personally, that you had to do to, or you would recommend others to do. Yeah, I think that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big decision for sure. And, and you, you talk with everybody, you, um, you, you, you think about it, you try and see how it goes, really. That, that's what it's about. I mean, of course, there are situations where people you know, might be able to transfer back. Um, and that's how I originally went to Asia. But if you'd like to go sooner rather than later, um, a lot of times that means changing job or changing what you're doing. And so, you know, that can be a big thing. And if you're, you're also talking about two careers or um, if you're talking about, you know, just uh, making everybody comfortable with it, you know, it might take a few trips for sure to. And then, of course, you're going to do a little bit of marketing. So when you bring the family out, hey, go go to the. Uh, go to the great places, you know, take a drive to Big Sur, go up to Napa Valley. Hey, isn't this great? Right. That, true, that true. sort of thing. Right. True. You know, true. Have, and, and people are super welcoming. I mean, when you meet up with your friends there, uh, I mean, when you come back for a trip, everybody comes out to, to see you. That's that's one thing you get, need to get used to is once you're back. It's kind of like, okay, he's here all the time. I don't have to, um, you know, we don't, it's not a special occasion anymore. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, you, you take the trips and, uh, um, you show everybody around and, and, um, you know, get a feel for it, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've had this mini come, I mean, I think I've come back for a few weeks at a time because, you know, travel time, you might as well stay a bit longer. So I would go to like my hometown and where I grew up in Connecticut and I would, uh, you know, stay there and get to be, yeah, you have like the welcome back party or the welcoming party. But then even after like, even after like less than a week, everybody's back in their grind and you don't see them as often, maybe a weekend get together or something. But yeah, it's, it is, it is kind of true. We're so busy and, but, uh, yeah. So, so let, you know, how is it being back? You know, you, you know, the welcome parties are over, of course, and it's been a couple of years, the Singapore accents are worn off with your daughter and uh right right i mean it's good i I think again you know just uh when you talk about translating the experience i remember you know i was talking to a recruiter from it was either aptus or demand base or marketo you know one of these salesforce partners uh that i interviewed with because of my salesforce experience and they literally asked me if they thought i'd be okay with the transition right and i said you know, am I, how can you, are you going to be okay, you know, working on U.S. business? You've been away so long. And, you know, they, they have a valid point because, of course, things change and your connections, you know, might be you know, more recently over in Asia. But again, you have to translate that and say, hey, look, it's not like I, I, I've never come back. I've been here all the time and I'm still in touch with all these people. And that's where the networking comes in, too. But, uh, hey, it's good to be back, you know, um, uh, things are totally different instead of trips to Bali for Easter, you know, yeah. like San Diego for, for surfing with my cousins <laughs> nice. and instead of lunch over at, uh, you know, 10 cent, uh, it, it'll be lunch with friends at Facebook. Um, cool, cool. so, so it's a little more of that. And then of course the scale is different. You know, when you're meeting with Apple or Tesla or Intel or Facebook, uh, at headquarters versus like, you know, meeting with them in their regional office in Asia, that, that's a totally different thing too. True. So no, it's, it's good. I mean, the U S is, is the big market. So kind of back in the big, big pond, so to speak. Yep. And, uh, 
Oh, it's good. The weather in California is great. Driving an electric car, I'm eating kale. And, uh, you know, I got a backyard and a garden and a little cottage. So when you come out here, you can stay with us. All right. Yeah, that sounds great, man. I, yeah, uh, definitely. You, you got me thinking of a little side story I joke about on an old blog post uh, with PayPal. Uh, you know, in the U.S., PayPal, you can't even get through on the phone. I was in PayPal yeah. in Shanghai's office. There's like a you can go to their office, schedule an appointment with a rep. Uh, you can uh, they take you out for well, maybe not everyone, but they took me and my my colleague at the time out for dinner and bought everything, beers, drinks, you know, food. And I'm like, man, this is nothing like PayPal US. Like in Ch- right. they localized. Cause I guess, uh, yeah, in China, and if you, if you're, if you're a bank or financial thing and you don't even have an office and can't meet people, it's totally different, but there's some perks maybe here, but yeah, it's true. Like, of course, everything has to report through us, uh, which sometimes is a negative for it. For internet, Western companies coming to Asia, I think, especially in China, is is that maybe having a headquarters on their side of the world. But uh, but uh, how about culture shock, reverse culture shock? I mean, was there any adjusting to the to the culture? I mean, I'm I'm worried about that. I, I feel like I even had that even just like a few weeks back uh, staying there. Yeah. Yes, it, it happens. You know, I mean, one of the basic things is, is uh, you know, in Asia, you kind of get used to people being sometimes a little bit late for meetings. And that doesn't happen in the U.S. People are like right on time. So time is a, is a big cultural thing, uh, thing I think you find, you know, whatever region you're in. Also, I'd say that those work hours are, are pretty different. In the U.S., I mean, startups, you, you do whatever you need to do. And, and, and uh, that's what I've been doing, you know, since I came back. But but at the same time, you don't have the IE at home. So mm. people have to, you know, drop their kids off and get to work and then go home and yeah. pick up the kids. True, true. I mean, I was just back in Singapore for spring break and it was funny. Some of my friends, I said, hey, let's meet for happy hour at seven o'clock. And they're like, how about nine o'clock? <laughs> like, that seems a little bit late, but uh, I'd forgotten very quickly. And I was there, you know, Singapore and Hong Kong for uh, 10 days uh, over spring break. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm very, that's another thing I've actually kind of honestly considered even about moving to Hong Kong uh, for my own situation is my father-in-law, my dad's well, husband, father, uh, he, he's, he lives with us and he's, uh, I don't want to call him Ai, but he's a super, you know, he's a, he's a grandfather. Yeah. So he's in China and I think other parts of Asia. I was just talking to somebody last night about that at dinner and they're saying, yeah, you go back to the U.S. or, you know, the Western world and grandparents, maybe you can have a weekend with them or something or a Saturday afternoon or something. But, you know, here it's like I, I'm i honestly doing this podcast recording at home and uh, he's taking the kids out for shopping, a uh, grocery shopping in the morning. So, I, you know, I have like the whole most of the morning out with available without the kids uh that is a i think a perk in this culture yeah uh, but i mean you're you're from the new york area i mean i this this afternoon i had a chinese foot massage i also had milk tea and my kid goes to a chinese school in the afternoon so you know there there's definitely those things that can be found in the u.s it's not difficult at all it's it's readily available so it's just some of the some of the more you know american cultural things true true that's true Chinatown in San Francisco is big. Yeah. It's taken over. I, I was in New York even just ten over ten years ago. They were taking over a little Italy, you know, Chinatown. There, it's definitely a growing uh, 
population in America as well as everywhere in the world. So, uh, another side story is, uh, I had my, my first staff in China, uh, first assistant when I came here, Melissa, she came, she's in South Africa now with her husband and her family because they're Huawei. She, he works for Huawei and, uh, they're growing in South Africa. So yeah, but she I was asking her the same, like, how is it? living over over there you know she's like i don't really miss it because there's like over a thousand chinese people in this community i everybody speaks chinese and i guess if uh mm-hmm. if, if you want you can have like you're just saying like you can have china or asia any any anywhere in the world almost it's it's definitely uh, oh it's very true and especially yeah i mean i'm sure hey huawei's done definitely very good in in uh in africa overall so i'm not surprised to hear they have a, a lot of folks there sure so you uh, my next question was you were mentioning already you, you had come back for spring break. Uh, is that Do you have some kind of – what's your plans for visiting or coming back to Asia? Is, is there any professional reasons or is it personal or, you know, or do you have a – is there like a schedule you keep or – not really. I mean, I was I was there once this year, and that was really more for fun. My my daughter wanted to go back and see old friends from school and and, and such. So both Hong Kong and Singapore, and you know, especially when you're there for for fun, it's hard to balance between you know sitting next to the pool and, and catching um, too many folks. So uh, I was there for this year, and then last year I was there for work. So. I definitely still miss the friends, the colleagues, the clients, but, um, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'll return someday, but, uh, for the moment, I mean, I still get, I mean, Hey, I still get called by recruiters and you would as well because you have that international experience and you really have that global experience, but, um, yeah, it's gone. It's it's nice to be back. It's good to be back. Uh, but cool. you know, stay in, stay in touch with people overall. You know, stay in touch with people back home. Stay in touch with people in Asia. You know, think about how you can translate your Asia experience. Um, and then you know, you can you can do it. Um, you know, either way. True. Uh, there's that saying. I probably saying it wrong, but your network is your net worth, <laughs> something like that. And uh, definitely uh, having that global network i think will always help i think that's true yeah i think that's true very very cool so mm, just squeezing another question in here i mean uh of course i think it is like you mentioned earlier in the interview the cost is lifestyle is cheaper here but uh yeah if you want to actually long-term stay here like real estate is insane it's 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 even crazier now if if you or i had bought when we had that lao beijing uh, I think we triple our value of our house, or at least double or d- more than double our return since two years ago. I mean, it's just insane, and especially in Shenzhen and Hong Kong, and, and then the education is. Mm. I'm begging to get into a, a my kids three, so we start in school. You know, for me, uh, it's kind of a it's a it's a it's not international, but it's not a it's not local. It's about ten grand US a year for school here per kid. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which is still, you know, I know you, you had said, you know, 20 to 30 grand US sure. for expat international school, but in, you know, in most of these parts of Asia. So financially, you're, you, you know, I guess America has the public school system is, is free. Of course, there's also Catholic or, you know, there's also, I went to Catholic high school or you can go to private schools, but, uh, I guess people always consider going back to, for the education and, and, uh, real estate. Is that like a, f- so that's definitely a financially positive decision. 
Yeah, some things are, are, are definitely uh, more affordable. Uh, you know, real estate, even though San Francisco and, and New York are really, you know, are pretty high by U.S. standards, uh, it's it's still cheaper than Beijing. It's still cheaper than Hong Kong. Yeah. It's still cheaper than Singapore. And so, yeah, you can have, um, you know, single family home I bought last year and uh, uh, it was under two million. What a bargain. And so, um, you know, you get a, gar- a garden and all that. And I'm in Burlingame. So the school um, school district here is great. Um, but yeah, like you say, some things are cheaper, right? Help is cheaper in, in Asia. Food is often cheaper in Asia. But then, you know, then there are some times in China, the concerns about food safety mm-hmm. and then school is, is more expensive in Asia. So there are those those trade offs. Uh, you're not paying, you know, that uh, um, that initial U.S. tax, right? You know, it only only up to a certain level are you are you paying that? Um, so there are, you know, those trade offs. Got it. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Travis. Getting towards the end here. What are what are? I guess you know. I think there's already a lot of tips in here, but maybe what's what's the tip? Uh, you know, the one thing somebody should start with, or or make sure they don't forget if if they're trying to make the move back after being out here so long. Yeah, I think, um, again, you know, start, um, stay in touch with people. That network is your net worth. And uh, um, think about, again, how you can translate that Asia experience to a position in the U.S. Um, you know, with your, if you're with a larger firm or if you're with a smaller firm, you know, how can you, um, you know, translate that experience into, you know, some sort of role with them, um, you know, back, back at headquarters. Uh, that's, you know, that's how I originally went out, you know, via transfer. But, uh, you know, it depends on your location and the opportunity. But, um, you know, overall, stay in touch with folks. I, I've been lucky in that, you know, I, in fintech and reg tech and third party risk and vendor risks and supply chain management, it's a very international type of business. You do have jurisdictional impacts and, and having this international background has been helpful to me and relevant to what I'm doing here. So again, think about that because I think, um, the la- the last thing you want to do is, is come back and do something that's is completely irrelevant to what you're doing in Asia. So you want to be able to leverage that experience and, and grow and build upon it, um, you know, rather than just like, hey, that was that was fun time, that was a good time, um, had a great experience. You want you want to be able to continue to use it in some way. So I think again, that comes back to, you know, figuring out how that fits in with people and companies, and then you know, staying in touch with them. Makes sense. Makes sense. So thank you, Travis. Uh, is there any websites or LinkedIn or emails or anything you'd like to use for people to find out more about what you're doing or, or connect with you? Sure. Folks can find me on, on LinkedIn, um, Travis Darrow, and uh, I'm on Twitter a little bit. Uh, I'm not doing too much Weibo, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm on, I'm on we, um, of course, Weixin as, as well. So okay. uh, I suppose those, those channels, but uh yeah, just uh, reach out to me directly if folks want to stay in touch. Awesome. Thanks, Travis. We'll link it up on the show notes as always. And thank you so much for your time. Definitely. Great uh, great show, Mike, and great to see the stuff you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Travis, so much for sharing today. I know it might have been a little bit emotional to share some of that, so I do appreciate it. 
Next week's show, we are talking with Nadine about Amazon Europe or German market to be specific. It's been a hot one even at our meetup. Wilson was saying that's the best market nowadays to sell on Amazon. So I am interested to share that one with everybody. We also use that as a good time to give a benefit to our GFA VIP members. We had some interaction live with the podcast guest. It's one of the perks of being a premium member of the Global From Asia community. You can learn more and join our private membership and support us even more, which is very appreciated at gfavip.com. Nice and short. And it redirects you to globalfromasia.com slash VIP so that you can upgrade to our premium membership. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening and coming all the way through the end of this show. And I appreciate you and love to work with you. Cheers. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.